You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey everyone, Tim McMaster here along with Drew Goodman, play-by-play man for the Colorado Rockies, stepping in for Thomas Harding this week on the podcast. Drew, love your work on the TV side for the Rockies. Thanks for joining us. You bet, Tim. Anytime. All right, on the podcast, we're going to talk about Ryan McMahon a little bit. We're going to hear from him as well. He was down at the Rookie Career Development Program last weekend. We're going to get into the lineup, rotation, and bullpen for this Rockies team if the season started today in mid-January. No more moves for this team and how it'll stack up. But before we get to that stuff, Drew, uh, Charlie Blackman has avoided arbitration, his final year of arbitration, and he has gotten a pretty good raise. He goes from $7.3 million to fourteen million that's a huge leap as far as arbitration years uh based on his season in 2017 you'd have to say that he deserves it now i know some rockies fans were kind of holding out hope that maybe a long-term deal was was in the cards now it looks pretty much set that he will make it to free agency in a year but just talk about this move by the rockies i feel like it's always good to avoid arbitration when you can yeah and the rockies have a strong history of avoiding uh, you know, arbitration with their players, and, and you figured they would settle on a number. And I know the projections had it in the 13-4 range. Uh, so, you know, Charlie did a little bit better than that, and good for the Rockies for saying, hey, we, we realize, you know, how valuable he is, and, and we don't want to make it contentious, um, you know, going going completely to arbitration. So they arrived at the, that figure. And, listen, he was, uh, to me, one of the, you know, two or three best players in the league last year. I know he finished fifth in the MVP voting. I thought he got slighted there. Maybe he and Nolan, you know, split a lot of votes uh, from that perspective. The Coors Field thing always works against Rockies players unfairly, in my opinion. Uh, But uh, he's a tremendous player. He's got an unbelievable work ethic. And, uh, you know, on a personal level, I'm happy for him. Good for him. Yeah, absolutely. And when you think about the possibility of trying to sign him up, even if he reaches free agency, trying to keep him in Colorado, going to arbitration and the negativity that can come from that would have definitely, uh, I would think, have hampered that effort as well in a year from now. Yeah, and and Tim, as you well know, just because they've now arrived and settled at a figure, uh, it doesn't preclude the organization and his representation from getting together and, and you know, maybe extending him out and doing something long-term. I can tell you this about Charlie, not, not that money isn't, you know, important to individuals. This is a cat that still drives a 2004 Jeep Cherokee with, you know, 200,000 miles on it or something. He's not, uh, he's not about getting the last dollar. He loves playing in Colorado. He loves his teammates. He is an avid fisherman, and, and naturally, you know, when he can have a day off and run up to the mountains and, uh, and go fly fishing, uh, you know, is that the, the be-all, end-all at the end of uh, the process to determine whether you stay or you go? Probably not, but I think there's a lot of things that work in, the, you know, in, in favor of, you know, having the conversations, whether it continues through spring training or at some point this year, uh, to get an extension done. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't dismiss it. Um, completely out of hand. 
And obviously that's going to be a big story throughout the next year for the Rockies. And then obviously Nolan Arenado looming a year after that as well as this team that's uh, back into contention tries to keep this thing together and keep this team rolling. All right, let's take a look at this team as it is constituted right now. And when you look at the lineup, these are uh, this is the lineup rotation and bullpen that our writer Thomas Harding has put together as of right now. Um, and he has, when you look at the lineup, obviously Charlie Blackman leading things off, maybe the best leadoff guy in the game. Then D.J. LeMahieu batting second at second. Ian Desmond in the three-hole. Then Nolan Arenado batting cleanup. Gerardo Parra in right. Trevor Story the shortstop. Ryan McMahon at first. And Chris Iannetta catching. Now, obviously, the Rockies, I think, would like to get more things done. But when you look at that lineup as a whole, it's still a lineup that would be pretty productive, I think. Right, Drew? I think it could be a formidable lineup. Um, I think that they would still like to potentially enhance that. When you look at that lineup, you say, okay, you know, Blackman, 37 home runs, 104 driven in last year, ridiculously high. Um, you know, OPS, we know who Nolan is. We know who DJ LeMahieu is, you know, helping set the table. Ian Desmond uh, you got to hope has a bounce back year for the first time in his career. He dealt with injuries. Um, you know, he would be a candidate, uh, keeping your fingers crossed, to have a bounce back year. Gerardo Parra, uh, you know, was not good in his first year with the Rockies. Last year, he was terrific. Um, but what, what you're still missing there is the bona fide, like, like Cargo when he was hitting, you know, 40 home runs a year, it, where you just feel going in, man, there's no question that guy's a 30 home run, you know, 100 ribby kind of guy behind behind Nolan. Mark Reynolds remains unsigned. That's why I don't know if this is going to be the lineup that opens up on March 29th. I, you know, I, I may be wrong on this, but something tells me they're, they're going to work hard to still get something else done uh, via, you know, a free agent or even potentially uh, a trade. But as it's currently constituted, as Thomas put together, is that a good lineup? Yeah, it should be a good lineup. Is it a great lineup? That so many unforeseen things have to take place. I mean, does Ryan McMahon become, uh, you know, Cody Bellinger? He's got a lot of ability. He's put up big numbers in the minor leagues. Those are the things you don't know. The nice thing about this lineup and the possibility of an addition is with McMahon, the young first baseman, um, they could add someone in the outfield or first base. It, they're not limited in being uh, put in a spot where, okay, we have to find a right fielder or a left fielder or a first baseman. Uh, there are movable parts in the lineup as which, with the players that they have that allows them to kind of broaden that search for that bat that you mentioned, which is kind of neat. Yeah, and, and that's a great observation. And, and under Jeff Breidich, he really uh, wants to have athletes, versatile players, that he they can play multiple positions. It's a trend that you know I don't know if it was first started by Ben Zobris, but but it, you know got a lot of national attention in their run a couple of years ago. A guy that uh, you can play with confidence defensively at more than one spot and and still gives you a plus bat. And so uh, you know Ian Desmond certainly is one of those guys. And there's some guys out on the market still that. Um, have the ability to be multiple position type players. All right, let's move on to the rotation. And uh, the way Thomas has it set up is John Gray is the number one, then Tyler Anderson, Herman Marquez, Chad Bettis, and Kyle Freeland. Now, the neat thing I think about the Rocky situation, A, 
Most of those guys at this point are obviously either pre-arbitration or in arbitration. It is a very affordable rotation, but what I didn't mention is all the other arms, all the other young arms that don't make that top five that based on a great spring training could find their way into it. You look just at last year at guys that, that were solid like Senzatella and other guys. It's an impressive young core for this Rockies team, and, and when you think about a rotation, it's not just these five, right? I mean, they go six, seven, and, and you need that these days you absolutely do because as i like to say there's um you know one, one of the guarantees in life right is uh, death taxes and pitchers get hurt so um they have the reason for me one of the great reasons that the rockies have a very nice window to continue to contend they went to the postseason last year obviously you want to you know go a couple steps beyond where they ended up last uh, season uh, losing the wild card game but it, it centers around a young, controllable rotation, and it's not just, well, they're young and they're controllable and they're big league pitchers. They have some guys in that rotation that really have a chance, if they emerge, to be top flight, top of the rotation type of arms. And that's not just John Gray, who's probably the most celebrated of that young group. Herman Marquez has the ability, again, if things fall right, we've seen you know, many instances where he took the ball last year and he pitched like a number one. He's got that kind of uh, upside. Tyler Anderson, who's battled some injuries throughout his career, is a really interesting guy. He's hard to hit. He's a great competitor. And, uh, again, great great upside. He's already produced some when he's been healthy. Uh, and that doesn't include the conversations about Kyle Freeland. Chad Bettis should be, you know, a year removed from the testicular uh, cancer surgery he should be that much better and, and you mentioned Senzatella how about uh, Hoffman Jeff Hoffman who came in the Tulowitzki deal you know big arm big curveball uh, he has a chance to make some strides so that is the strength of the team going forward and as we know the, this sport is ultimately about pitching and the Rockies are in a good place there with high-end type of arms that are really really affordable as you suggested yeah, it's going to make spring training a lot of fun, I think, for the Rockies, too, seeing all these guys go out there and battle for spots. So having an inexpensive rotation allowed the Rockies to go out and spend a lot of money on the bullpen this offseason. And that seems at this point to be the most finished off aspect of this team. The way that uh, Thomas has it lined up is Wade Davis as your closer, then Brian Shaw and Jake McGee behind him, Adam Adovino, Mike Dunn, Carlos Estevez, Scott Oberg, and uh, Chris Rusin in there as well. Um, it's obviously a bullpen that they went out and they decided this offseason they needed to take care of with Greg Holland leaving. Uh, they kept McGee. They bring in Shaw and Davis, and this looks like it's going to be one of the better bullpens in the NL. Now, I know bullpens are unpredictable, but on paper, this looks pretty good. Yeah, on paper, it looks terrific. Uh, you, you know, you'd probably be hard-pressed to find many better bullpens in baseball. It's been a trend for a while. If you look at the successful teams, the teams that play deep in October, they all have the ability to make a game a six-inning affair. And if you can have the lead after six innings and then you have to go face, you know, you got a couple lefties coming up, in this, and in Jake McGee's case, he gets righties out also. Jake McGee, and then in the eighth you have Brian Shaw, and in the ninth you have Wade Davis. I mean, it's, it's tough. I mean, that – that would present a lot of problems for uh, the offense uh, of, an op of an opponent on a given night. Also, 
there's a couple of arms in there that are not necessarily uh, well-known from a fan's perspective, but from an industry perspective, they have a chance to really make big jumps, and that's Scott Oberg, who has closer stuff. He's given up some home runs in his past, but he really started to make some strides uh, late in the season last year, and Carlos Estevez uh, as well. Two big, big arms, guys who can touch 100 miles an hour, and in the case of Oberg, he has, you know, he has a good secondary stuff. Estevez slider is still kind of in development, but those guys shouldn't be forgotten. And the last guy I'll mention, Tim, is Adam Ottavino, who's been a, a closer before, had a really tough year last year. He lost his arm slot and, and really battled command issues. But if he can return uh, close to the form he had, um, you know, even after Tommy John surgery, where the command is back, uh, that that's another guy that uh, is really tough, especially on righties. All right, to finish things off here on the podcast, I did want to talk about Ryan McMahon a little bit more. He was at the Rookie Career Development Program last weekend. For those who don't know what that is, it's basically a weekend where every major league team sends three or four of their prospects who are either getting close to the big leagues or have just kind of broken through into the big leagues like McMahon did in 2017 and they cover everything to do with being a big league ball player that has nothing to do with actually playing the game of baseball it's it's everything off the field it's doing your best on social media staying safe on social media dealing with the actual media dealing with the clubhouse and veterans and all of that stuff it's a program that players praise every year McMahon was down there and our guys uh Jonathan Mayo and Jim Callis got a chance to catch up with man McMahon and talk to him a little but let's hear from Ryan. Ryan, I think uh, I remember talking to you after your ridiculous double A on the road season and all the ups and downs, and then uh, you come back and have you know a normal season, and things really started to click for you. Uh, aside from the ridic- you know the ridiculousness of that season all on the road, what what really clicked for you in 2017 that let you kind of perform probably the way that you were expecting yourself to perform? Um, you know, yeah, personally had definitely a better year this, uh, this past year. Uh, got in with some good coaches, kind of was open to more ideas, you know. I was a little bit hard-headed the year before, kind of just wanted to stick with, with what, what I knew. Um, but this last year kind of opened up, opened up my ears a little bit, took in uh, what coaches were telling me a little bit better, and uh, I just stuck with it after that. So, uh, yeah, it was a fun year. Do you look back at that? all road year and as hard as it was he's like all right i really learned a lot about what i need to do to to be ready to play regardless of outside distractions or difficult situations yeah you know uh during during that time all the coaches were like hey you'll be thankful for this later and you know when, when i was going through it, i was like man no i'm not this this stinks like you know like i'm not gonna be thankful for this ever but uh you know, after having this last year and just, you know, kind of falling back on, on things I learned throughout that tough year, traveling all over and stuff like that, uh, it, it definitely has made me a, a tougher person and, and, you know, kind of let me, let me handle things a little bit better. You got that first taste of the, of the big league yeah, life. Right. Tell me a little bit about that experience. Now that especially you've had a little distance from it and, and a little perspective of, you know, about what that was like and, and how that will work as a, as a motivator for you. To, to get there full time. Yeah, I mean, it's it's everything you dream about as a kid and, and some more, you know. I, I call it the white glove treatment. Um, you know, if you don't want to lift a finger or anything like that, people come and do things for you. It's just, it's it's so, it's so like, as a kid, what you think what you think it's gonna be. I mean, being in that big stadium, taking ground balls out there, feeling like like there's walls all around the place just because it's a, a huge stadium. It, it's everything you dream about. So uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed my time up there. 
Now, one of the things that helped you get the, get there was showing, you know, a little more positional flexibility, and you had to do some of that almost on the on the fly. Yeah. What has that been like from a guy who was, I'm a third baseman. Okay, maybe I'm a third baseman, first baseman, and then oh no, we'll, we'll sprinkle in some some second base too. I mean, what yeah. has that flexibility done for you? You know, it was actually really fun learning second base and you know, kind of playing all over the place. I feel like I was playing a new position every day. Um, but I, I had a lot of great coaches who helped me along the way, kind of learn on the fly. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of cool. I kind of I kind of like it. I like being able to be the guy who can play all those positions. So uh, I really enjoyed it, honestly. Ready to go behind the plate? You know, I caught in little league actually, but uh, hopefully not. Hopefully not anytime soon. All right, a couple of fun questions for you. Uh, what's your go-to uniform number? Like, if you can pick what uniform number you have, what's, what's your favorite number? Um, why? Let's see. I wore 15 in high school. I got a pro ball. Raymond Tappy wears 15, so I switched to five. So usually just something with a five and then. But uh, I'm 24 right now in the Billy, so kind of like that number too. I mean, that's a good number. Griffey wore it. Miguel Cabrera. Some good guys at 24, so uh, I might stick with that one. Willie Mays. You may want to throw that oh, one yeah. here. Yeah, remember him. Need to show a little history. Expand who I know. There you go. There you go. 24. Um, what's the you know the craziest experience that you've had in your pro baseball career? Probably just the cliche answer, the, the whole year on the road, um, you know, just there's a lot of things that happen in the minor leagues that you kind of just sum up as the minor league experience. So, uh, but yeah, definitely that year on the road, just just the different different things we did, you know, like to, to get all the games in before leaving for the next place. So, uh, yeah, that year was crazy. What uh, What's your favorite Major League Baseball moment from childhood, like you know, going to a game, watching a game, something that, that really stood out to you? Uh, when I was a kid, my dad and I flew down. So we were living up in San Jose, California, and uh, Bobby Gritch had actually gotten my dad and I tickets to the Angels Twins. Gosh, I don't remember exactly what year, but I was a little kid, and it was it was, it was a playoff baseball game. And um, yeah, I got this little bat from it. And uh, as a kid, that was all I ever wanted were like the little bats at every game. So uh, that's that's my best memory because my dad and I flew down there literally just for the game. Flew home after the game, like a red eye back up there, or whatever. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I can remember it vividly, so it's, it's awesome. So there's Ryan McMahon talking about that big league debut. He had a good season in 2017 after struggling a little bit before that. And you look at 2018 for this young, talented first baseman. You mentioned the name Bellinger when we were talking about him during the lineup. Obviously, I don't think we should set that as the bar, but this is a guy who is a well-respected, highly-touted prospect who could be a huge factor for this team in the upcoming season, right? There's no question. I mean, you know, you go back half a dozen years, and Nolan Arenado was a nice prospect. Did, did people know that he was going to become the guy that that we're aware of today? No, that's the beautiful thing about the game. Even though Bellinger was on everybody's radar, certainly going into last year, could anybody have uh, guessed you to put the kind of season together that he did at the big league level? Probably not. Uh, so that's the beautiful thing about baseball. We always talk at this time of year about known commodities, right? But who is the next group that a year from now, two years from now, we're going to go, man, that, what a great you know, young talent that is, and look at the numbers that guy put up. From an ability standpoint, does Ryan McMahon have the uh, talent to be an impactful player uh, on the offensive side in particular? Absolutely. And he's a really good athlete. He fits earlier. We were talking about Jeff Breidich's feeling that you got to have positional versatility. And, and he came, he's played third, he's played first, he's played some second last year uh, in, in AA and AAA 
to give him positional versatility. So we know he's athletic enough uh, to go different spots. And now how quickly will the bat come at the big league level? I think he only had 19 at-bats at the big league level last year. But, you know, after a tough 2016, uh, you know, he certainly demonstrated again that he is a, a guy that has the uh, – you know, ability to hit the ball out of the ballpark, and hopefully that translates at the big league level where uh, he can be impactful. And he's probably going to get a shot uh, this year uh, to show what he can do with uh, a multitude of at-bats. Drew, thank you so much for stepping in for Thomas this week. Uh, it's an exciting time to be involved with this Rockies team. Enjoy 2018. Yeah, it should be, it should be a blast. Looking forward to it. Tim, thanks. This has been MLB.com Extras, our Rockies edition. For Drew Goodman, I'm Tim McMaster. Tune in again next time.